Welcome to San Diego News Fix, The Backstory. I'm Luis Cruz. Every week, we're giving you a behind-the-scenes look at our industry and giving you an insight into how decisions in our newsroom are made. Today, we're discussing the fatal shooting of a Yale-educated scientist by law enforcement after they were trying to serve her with an eviction notice at her home in Little Italy. Joining me today are Union Tribune public safety reporters Lindsay Winkley and David Hernandez, public safety editor Dana Littlefield, managing editor Laura Sacalo, and we begin with editor and publisher Jeff Light. Jeff? Hey, thank you, Luis. Um, so uh, uh, David and Lindsay, I wanted to talk about your story this past weekend on the fatal shooting of Yan Lee by the San Diego uh, police officers. And this is a story that uh, the first report was of uh, an officer stabbed uh, in the chest and uh, the assailant shot dead by police. And um, the reporting that you two did showed a, 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 a different context for that whole picture in a really important way. So why don't, why don't we just start with David or Lindsay uh, just walk us through what what was known at the outset, and what was it that made you guys ask more questions? Um, yeah, so I pulled up that press release um, just to remind myself of what we knew the day of the incident. Um, and it was very much what you had described. Um, San Diego police officers and sheriff's deputies. So this is sort of already an interesting incident because you've got two big agencies that are involved. Uh, ended up shooting a woman who was suspected of stabbing a police officer in the chest. Uh, we later found out from some great uh, at-the-scene reporting by David uh, that this deputy, uh, that a deputy had gone to this woman's house to deliver some sort of eviction paperwork. I think it was a little bit um, mysterious at the time, specifically what kind of paperwork that was. We knew that it was sort of eviction related uh, and that some sort of altercation had occurred and an officer was stabbed and she was shot. So that's sort of like the first day breaking news. This is what we've got story. Um, yeah. But then several days later, of course, they send out a press release that has a little bit more information, right? So now we know that it's, they still don't specify, by the way, at this point, that it was an eviction notice. It was described in the press release as a civil process paperwork, which is very vague. Um, but this is what they were there to deliver to her. Um, and essentially that while they were waiting, so while, you know, this interaction happens, uh, she this deputy sees uh, who we learn later, uh, Yan Li. Uh, they describe her as being uncooperative and that she was holding a knife and that when she closed the door, that's when they asked for assistance. Um, there was some other information that came out later. They said that while they were trying to work with her to get her to cooperate with officers, although even from the start, it was sort of very confusing as to what exactly they were trying to get her to cooperate with. Um, that she had threatened a maintenance worker with a knife the previous day. Um, and that because of that, they decided to make entry into her apartment because they had sort of deemed her 
to be a risk to public safety. Um, so that's, yeah, so that's, that's kind of the, like, that's kind of the, the first, I would say, like, picture of it. Um, there was a lot of description when talking about the knife that she was holding um, and, you know, how she was perceived as a threat um, and how that led to entry into her apartment. Yeah, so like that set of facts, though, uh, uh, police are there on some sort of lawful uh, 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 call. They've got a person who has threatened people, you know, uh, just within the last day. And then uh, in the end, she attacks them and stabs one of them in the chest, if I recall, with a knife. Um, yeah, obviously, as a journalist, you're going to report all that. And yet the story really ended up going in a very different direction. I mean, maybe, uh, 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 David, uh, you could share what is it that made you feel like maybe maybe the answers maybe the police could be answering the questions in a different way telling the rest of the story yeah so like Lindsay was saying from the start there were so many questions again like why they were there to begin with um was a little unclear police i think could have been more clear about that we now know it was to serve an eviction notice but we weren't told that specifically we were told some sort of court paperwork. Um, and granted, they're still investigating, right, early in the stages of investigating. So some of this might not be clear to them. Um, but we had a lot of questions. So we wanted to do more digging and questions about many different things, um, whether there were legal legal grounds for them to enter the home, for example, uh, because that was a little unclear why they were entering the home. Um, and, um, you know, like Lindsay said, there were two big agencies involved. This was also a call where um, no one had summoned police necessarily in terms of like an immediate emergency um, or saying that someone was armed with a knife and uh, being a danger to the public at that point. But um, we, we had questions about why, you know, there was a need to, um, to, to continue the interaction um, with Yan Lee. Um, and like Lindsay uh, mentioned, you know, I was at the scene that day, so I talked to um, a neighbor, actually. Um, there's a, st a stairwell that separates them, but essentially they're next door neighbors. And he had described hearing her screaming in a language that he couldn't understand. So that obviously, you know, makes your ears perk about like what was happening there and whether she could understand the deputy or not. Um, so we decided to basically look into all of the different uh, questions we had by circling back to that neighbor to see if he had learned any more, um, talking to, we wanted to talk to law, law enforcement experts to get their take on this. And we also wanted to do more digging in terms of what information was available in court, um, both uh, about Yan Lee um, through um, uh, you know, civil cases involved and specifically the one that led to the eviction notice being served. So um, Lindsay did some digging on that front and we were able to kind of pull as much information as we could. And um, granted, there are still some questions that we don't know, um, but we basically set out to answer um, all of these questions that had been circulating. Yeah. So maybe uh, Dana, you can help us jump to the the conclusion here of, of what are some of the things that were found? Like it, it turned out that uh, um, 
there were there were concerns among Yan Li's friends, if I recall, about her uh, state of mind going into this. People were a little worried about her. It seemed like from the story, it really wasn't clear that she even knew that she was being evicted. The paperwork was sitting unopened. And, uh, and, and then the experts who reviewed the body cam footage were pretty critical of how the local authorities handled this by pushing their way into her apartment. And it, it did seem like there were some pretty big communication uh, gaps. So I don't know, maybe you could just summarize the, the findings of Sunday's story. Well, you're right that there were many of those questions that we had that we weren't able to answer. You know, the question raised about what she knew. I mean, you know, granted, she was a Yale educated academic scientist. Um, but, you know, we don't know, again, with the unopened mail, we don't know what she understood about the process that was, you know, coming her way in terms of evicting her from that condominium. Um, the the kind of overarching, I mean, with a story like this, as is the case with other stories that we um, report, that we go into, um, we're kind of looking at it on the micro level as well as on the macro level. So we're looking at it as, you know, an individual case involving these specific people and what these specific people understood about the circumstances they were facing and what happened as a result. So we wanted to, to tell a more detailed version of that progression of events, which I think Lindsay and David did quite well. But we also wanted to look at the story on kind of a macro level, on a broader level, in terms of how this fits into what we have been reporting for a long time, I would say, even before 2020, but especially in 2020, about de-escalation, um, what that looks like, how it's carried out, whether the various law enforcement agencies are trained in doing de-escalation. <laughs> you know, these are the kinds of things that we want to, wanted to explore, these broader questions that we wanted to explore about this particular incident, if that makes sense. So the video was interesting, um, but, you know, I, I don't pretend that we looked at that video and knew right away, oh, this procedure was followed and this one wasn't. Instead, we asked those questions. And actually, Lindsay and David and I did have a conversation about um, casting as wide a net as we could because, and, and I know Lindsay and David will jump in here and correct me if I'm wrong, but when we had kind of a check-in about the progression of the reporting on this story, um, I remember asking, you know, them telling me that the responses that they were getting from these law enforcement ex experts were all pretty critical mm -hmm. of how the sequence of events carried out. Again, in terms of de-escalation or the fact that, you know, de-escalation essentially did not happen, did not appear to happen in this circumstance. Um, and I remember in that conversation that the three of us had, you know, I said, and, you know, I, I remember them agreeing right away that, you know, we should cast as wide a net as we possibly can in terms of reaching out to people who have real knowledge about you know, law enforcement tactics and procedures to see maybe there is somebody out there who would see it a different way than the folks that we had spoken to up to that point. Mm. 
So to be very clear, it's not about having a checklist and, okay, we've got someone who says, yes, they did it right, check. And we have someone who says they did it wrong, check. It's not that. We were trying to find as many voices as we can and see whatever it was that they had to say. In this circumstance, again, Lindsay and David can, can jump in here at any time, um, but it seemed that they cast as wide a net as they could, and still the responses tended to lean toward, these are difficult, fast-moving situations. And yet it appeared as though de-escalation did not happen in the way that we understand that it can happen. That's my understanding of, you know, if there is a conclusion to be drawn here, and yes, I understand that these are very, very complicated situations, but if there is a conclusion to be drawn, it's that a lot of people who are familiar with police tactics felt that something could have gone differently here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think the incident was like roundly criticized. I think it's really fair to say that. I think that, you know, we spoke to a lot of people for this story and there wasn't a single person who looked at that video and said, yep, that's how I would have handled it. You know, and I think that that is important. I think it's important to um, take a close look at those instances because, because that's where accountability starts. Yeah, and when you say not a, oh, I'm sorry, David, oh, go just, ahead. Sorry, I was just gonna add um, one thing that's really interesting about this as well, when you look at it from like uh, the lens of, you know, talking about it, with policing experts is that um, there are situations where police end up in a scenario where they feel the need to use force. And oftentimes, you know, that results in no charges for the officers, again, because they maybe rightfully so felt like their life was in danger. Um, but building on what Lindsay was saying, it's, I think it's really important to take a look at the moments that led to that event. And if anything could have been done differently. And in this case, um, also building on what Dana was saying, policing experts said that um, it, it appeared there was no de-escalation, but beyond that, that de-escalation could have saved a life in a case like this. Yeah, now this issue of like the uh, uh, press release, I guess, uh, it, You would imagine that at the Sheriff's Department and the San Diego Police Department, they also have a lot of expert knowledge and that they all looked at this incident and, and, and reached a similar conclusion, right? Like, oh, this wasn't handled exactly right. But did anybody come forward and say that? Or is the posture that, that they're not expected to, uh, uh, to be frank in those circumstances? Yeah, I mean, and do, you, and do you guys have, you know, that relationship where you can talk to them and go like, yeah, but we talked to a lot of people. They all say, no, no, this wasn't handled right. Why, why do you keep saying it was handled right? Yeah, I mean, oh, go ahead, Dana. Oh, I was, I, you know, you guys are having the conversations with those sources, so I'll, I'll let you speak. Um, but I just want to say from the outset, I mean, we do know, it's not that we don't ask those questions. Of course we do. Um, but we know that what we're often going to get is that it is some kind of response that says we can't talk about this until after the DA's office has done its review. 
Um, so what we try to, you know, of course we put that in the story. Um, those are the rules that they follow. Um, but, you know, we're still working to try and get those answers well in advance of that review. <laughs> All we can do is ask the questions, keep asking the questions. And, you know, we do provide the response that they give us initially is that they can't talk to us about the specifics now. Yeah, uh, right. So that being said, though, um, you know, I think that David and I, you know, working on this beat for quite some time, um, certainly have sources that are willing to talk about this issue, but it's not for attribution. Um, and so that can be difficult in these sorts of spaces. Um, but I think what Dana said is very right. Um, there is a protocol that's set up, you know, they have to protect their investigation to the best of their ability. And it's a serious investigation. You know, the DA is charged with determining whether this kind of use of force uh, was legally justified. Um, and so if there's some sort of determination that it wasn't, there's a lot of cascading effects for anybody who was involved in those sorts of incidents. Um, and so I, I do understand to a degree keeping certain pieces of information under wraps before you've really sorted it out. That being said, I do feel like there were pieces of information that were not presented that could have easily been presented that would have made this situation more clear um, much earlier than it was. Um, and I think it's those sorts of circumstances that can sometimes make it difficult for the public to accept sort of the, the words that are coming from the department and thinking, right, we trust you. Thank you for sharing this information. Like why call it civil process paperwork. They knew it was an eviction notice. They knew it was. And so why obfuscate the fact that way when you know we're going to find out? I mean, they told us later, it's not like it's not something that's embedded in public record. I mean, we were able to dig it up, but I think that it just, those little things I do think go a really long way, a really long way. Um, and, and there were a couple of examples of that in, in this particular interaction. Yeah, and very just interesting. To add, just to add to that very briefly, um, this is Dana, uh, to say that we also recognize, you know, when we get that, that response that we are fully, fully expecting to get in those early days, um, you know, the day of an incident and maybe in the day, few days that follow, um, you know, we, the department can't talk about the specifics beyond what we already have given you because we are sending the case to the DA's office for review. We also recognize how unsatisfying that is to the people who know the victim, you know, the victim's loved ones, the, the, we, we understand that they're essentially left in the dark. They're being told to wait and they have question after question after question as to how this all rolled out. So I don't at all mean to suggest that because we know we're going to get that response. And we do have a responsibility to be fair to those departments who are following this particular protocol that they can't, you know, go into detail while the review is pending or before the review. Still, we understand that it does leave the victims, the, the people who are, you know, who have lost that victim, really left wondering and wondering, frankly, for quite a long time, because sometimes it takes a while, quite a while for that review to actually happen. Yeah, this one will be a really interesting one to watch over time, I think.
Laura, I uh, uh, haven't given much room for you to weigh in here as uh, the managing editor. What are the questions that that that, uh, that you have about this story? Well, I think they they answered some of them. I think there are some interesting points to this story. You know, if we had another whole segment, I would have uh, Lindsay and David and Dana talk a little about maybe some of the specifics that made this difficult to report or more challenging to report. Um, I don't know if there's, you know, an easy way to to encapsulate that, um, but I think there were some some challenges to this story. Yeah, I mean, I, and David can feel free to add on to this. I mean, I think I think one of the primary difficulties was establishing um, an effective TikTok, not like the social media app, but like a timeline of events because the Sheriff's Department did end up releasing a video about the incident. It was about 10 minutes long. And obviously the entire incident was almost an hour. So sorting out kind of what happens in those blacked out spaces, I think created some difficulties because what happened in those moments uh, bared very heavily on the sheriff's department decision to make entry. I think that specifically, that question of like, why did they end up going in in the first place uh, was something that was really obvious right from the start and something that people sort of immediately had um, questions about, um, you know, so they say that there was this report from a maintenance worker who approached them while they were at her condominium and sort of told them about this incident that happened the day before. Um, and that just spawned a million questions. Did that incident get reported to the police when it occurred? You know, uh, did they have a warrant when they decided to go into this person's home on that condition, right? Because, uh, sheriff's department, police department, just because you have a badge doesn't mean you could just go into people's homes um, under any condition. There has to be, um, you know, a, a threat to life and property. And if there isn't a threat to life and property, then you need to have a judge that says, yes, you can go in on these grounds, right? Um, it's very unclear if that happened. And so sorting out kind of all of that that unknown time, the time that wasn't shown in the body-worn camera footage, I think complicated putting this story together. Um, I think David too can speak a little bit about sort of just the complicated nature of getting information about Yan Lee. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I think, you know, we, I think we did a good job trying to essentially cast a wide net again and um, get uh, as much and any information as we could about her because we obviously wanted to paint a picture about who she was. Um, but, um, you know, we did face some difficulties in terms of people wanting to um, not be named. They didn't want to be her ex-husband, for example, didn't want to be named because again, they, were, they, they weren't close essentially, you know, he's moved on with his life and didn't really want to be tied to the case. Um, so we kind of struggled to, um, or I, I had to work with him in terms of trying to pull at least a little bit of information from him um, it, that that added to the story. Um, so it, it was difficult to 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 learn about her. Um, she has a son who we weren't able to, you know, use in the story. So it would have been great, obviously, to 
to connect with him and have him share his thoughts. Um, so yeah, those were some yeah. of the difficulties. I mean, evictions too are just sort of complicated. Uh, evictions are just kind of a complicated legal proceeding and the court documentation surrounding all of that uh, was uh, took a fair bit of reporting just to make sure that we fully understood sort of the cascade of events, you know? And there were a lot of questions too about how Yan Lee went from this celebrated uh, biostatistician, you know, receiving awards, graduating from Yale, um, to a woman who sort of was out of work and may not have understood exactly what was happening to her. So that was also sort of a hard thing to paint effectively um, in the story. And we had to do quite a bit of reporting to see what we could get to kind of to kind of put that picture together. Yeah, super interesting story. We probably have to wrap up. I mean, Yon Lee's identity uh, is also, I think, a layer of the story that we can touch on because, you know, questions that sort of came up in my mind were, wow, what is going on with evictions? How many of these are happening? How many of them go wrong? What are these outcomes? What are the identities of people who are subject to eviction? Probably few of them are, uh, uh, are, are, are PhD scholars. And, um, you know, you could see the interactions between the police departments and the protocols being a little bit unpracticed, I guess, is, you know, one of the things that happened there. So really great, great reporting by you guys. Um, we're probably over time. So Luis, I will turn it back to you to uh, conclude. Thank you very much, Jeff, and thank you to my colleagues. That does it for this special edition of San Diego News Fix. Don't forget to listen to San Diego News Fix with Christy Totten for an in-depth look at local stories making headlines throughout the week. You can find San Diego News Fix wherever you get your podcasts. For everyone at the San Diego Union Tribune, thank you very much for listening. Have a great day, everybody.